Hi, I'm Josh. I'm Tim. And I'm TJ. And this is Serious Film People. We did it. We made it to the wrap-up episode for 1985. Yeah. We're going to party wrap. like it's 1986. Um, so we will do a brief recap here, talk about some other movies from 1985 that we think are worth your love, affection, and attention, and then we will get to our rankings. Well, first, what were the five movies that were worthy of our attention per the Academy before we get to the ones that we think should have been more worthy of our attention? <laughs> I was say debatable about the worthy of attention. So they were in order. The Color Purple, The Kiss of the Spider-Woman, Out of Africa, Pritzi's Honor, and then Witness. Witness. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like we I relived all of those viewings just by you describing the titles. It's yes, uh, we definitely had some lovely moments there. But uh, <laughs> can you guys identify as you look back on these five films, common themes or trends among them? We always try to find some through lines or maybe some overlaps. Were there anything that you could spot? Um, <laughs> I, I'll be honest. What jumped out to me is I think a through line we connected at least the color purple and out of Africa, which is popular directors really gunning for some award attention and trying to do something a little more, as Josh might call it, Oscar-y. Um, that is, uh, those are two films and great examples of movies that directors doing something they are not traditionally used to doing, an area topic or subject matter that they've never done before. And um, I think as we discussed in our those episodes, maybe didn't necessarily succeed. Um, and yet they did get attention, um, one more successfully, obviously Sidney Pollack won, um, and Spielberg didn't even get nominated to the Oscars for director and color purple went completely winless, uh, despite 11 nominations. So, um, I think that's the big takeaway for me with these films. Plus those two are very Oscar movies and you get, you, you throw in a kind of a really dark, uh, comedy from John Huston at the very tail end of his career. Maybe because we, we discussed it. Is that film there just because of who's involved? I don't know. We'll leave the audience. I to, think so. Yeah, we'll leave the listeners to, to make their own judgment if they've seen it. Um, Kiss of the Spider Woman. <laughs> but if they have, they will think it is. <laughs> Kiss of the Spider Woman, maybe the, the only one out of the, the contingent that's really trying to say something, whether it succeeds, I don't think we necessarily bought it um, or, or, or really enjoyed the attempt. I didn't think about this question, even though I should have anticipated it, because we, we do talk about this in the recap episodes, what, what common thread you see between these movies. So I'm going a little bit off the top of my head, so I apologize in advance. This is happening. Here we go. It's live. We're live. It is kind of examining the other, examining people that belong to different groups than you. Like Spielberg is a white man making a movie about mostly black characters, particularly about a black woman. And then Out of Africa is very textually about these uh, white Europeans kind of like experiencing African people in Africa and witness is, you know, Peter Ware, an Australian man making a, a movie. I mean, that's, that is more textually a fish out of water movie about uh, John book, Philadelphia cop that goes to live among the Amish for a little while. Uh, Kiss the spider woman is, uh, oh, I mean like that's, I guess less so because it is at least a South American director making a movie about South American characters. Um, but it is, you know, uh, putting a gay character front and center in the frame, right. which is something, a character that audiences are maybe not used to seeing. And um, Pritzi's Honor, I guess, is the, it, it fits this theory the least, but it is, you know, I don't know, John Huston looking at the uh, 
the other of those mafia people, maybe? I don't really know. I think make, making a movie fits. about stupid people. <laughs> I think it fits, though. Yeah, we're, we're, we're shown a world in each one of these films that the audience, most audience, let's be honest, the target audience, not directly familiar with or intimately familiar with themselves. But it's like, it, it's an integration of those people over here and these people, you know, those people over there and these people over here. Like, you know, I think all... All five of the movies took some extent, whether it's the filmmakers and the characters they're portraying or characters in the movie, cultures meeting, possibly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What what threads do you see among these five, PJ? Well, any? some that you mentioned. Um, something else I noticed, this, this was a lot in Witness, but it made me also think about uh, Pritzi's Honor and The Color Purple. In one case, kind of both of these are happening at the hand of Danny Glover, but... Uh, <laughs> Women, women suffering the consequences of actions carried out by men, mm-hmm. um, having having to bear the negative consequences of typically violent choices that men have made. Um, that was one thing that I saw. I saw also, and this kind of gets into the second question, and I'm stealing a little bit of what Josh said previously, but an attempt to go more geopolitical. Oscars go international. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about this. Yeah, it, it, for the whole 1980s, though. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I kind of mentioned this in the Out of Africa episode, but just looking at what won Best Picture throughout the 1980s, Chariots of Fire takes place, I think, in England, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gandhi takes place in India, largely. Uh, uh, Amadeus takes place in uh, Europe. Out of Africa takes place in Africa. Platoon takes place in Vietnam. The Last Emperor takes place where? I've never actually seen it. Tibet, I believe. Tibet, okay. Not in the United States, that's for sure. And then um, Driving Miss Daisy takes place in the United States, but it is like two people from different cultures that you wouldn't normally see together, you know, kind of experiencing, you know, coming together, I guess. So it is like, it is a a decade where the world is getting smaller and like the movies that the Academy is choosing to honor is kind of like reckoning with that a little bit. And our best picture winner here, I think is like (laughs) the nadir of that, like the, the, the bad version (laughs) of all that reckoning, I guess. Um, I really didn't like Out of Africa, but like it, it won. It won Best Picture here. And it is kind of like the Academy, like, oh, look, African people exist. Let's go over there and you know, <laughs> show what their life is like. Even though they don't, they show what it's like to be a Danish woman living in Africa. But. And Robert Redford is English. Let me fa- fact check myself real quick. Uh, the Last Emperor was shot and takes place in the Forbidden it's City China. in China. Yeah, it's yeah. Beijing. So any other comments as far as like historical, geopolitical background that are important for understanding why people might have thought these were the best pictures of the year? Well, a couple of them, it's just the scale. I mean, particularly out of Africa, the scale, it's just, it, it screams Oscar bait movie, right? Color Purple also, I think, the scale. Yeah, several epics that take that are not only long movies, but take place over the course of many years. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Condensing condensing time and historical periods and historical events. Out of Africa touches on several uh, key events in particular, um, although uh, to the degree it shows any of them, it doesn't, but uh, it flits around them. If you want to talk about geopolitical stuff, like there are political prisoners in the case of the Spider-Woman, but I'm not sure how much that reflects 1985 necessarily. Yeah. You know, Maybe you know more, more about that than I do, but I, I don't know. I don't know enough to say. By the time the film was released, the dictatorship had, had just ended. But uh, certainly during production, the dictatorship was still in existence and still governing. Uh, I'm not sure that's like affecting the Academy's decision to honor the movie, though. I'm not sure they're like, oh, we got to honor this movie because it's depicting the dictator that was just opposed. (laughs) Uh Not Uh really in in the consideration. Yeah. Um, And likewise, something we mentioned in Kiss of the Spider Woman episode was about 
you know, the gay rights movement and also the um, spreading of the AIDS epidemic, which isn't going to be in the public's eye for a few more years. So again, it perhaps doesn't answer the question of why they might want to identify, uh, recognize that movie. And again, you know, AIDS is not in the context of Kiss of the Spider Woman, right. but um, the idea of the gay man's body as kind of a political object is something that's in the water at the time. Ken, you mentioned last week uh, that Princey's Honor could be read as kind of a, a takedown of like the excess of Reaganomics. Any other thoughts there? Yeah, well, I think we were, we were discussing a couple of weeks ago when we were, were talking about Princey's Honor that um, it's pushing back not only the mafia, but I think to some extent there's this this undertone in that film about Americans, specifically Angela Houston's character, um, May Rose, when describing the Kathleen Turner uh, character describes her to Jack Nicholson as an American. And she's taking essentially, she's taking an opportunity wherever she finds one. And there's this criticism, I think, or again, it's a bit subtle, but this pushback on um, capitalism and money being the driver, because we, as we discussed, um, that is the real Pritzizaner. It's right. It's business. It's, it's money that, really guides the family not necessarily love or family familial loyalty it's really all about the money which in the 80s i mean you get wall street a couple years after this right this there is a lot of pushback at the time from hollywood against uh the way america seems to be moving or shifting under the reagan era so the last year we did was 1948 the year we did before that was 2007 the year we did before that was 75. How do you think this 85 stacks up in general to either those film, th- those years or just as a year in general, the strength of the nominees? One of the better years? One of the worst years? These five movies? Yeah. Or like the whole year? These five. These five. We'll expand in a minute. Uh, so there's some very short was, stacks that you're piling This was a down year for me. <laughs> <laughs> Josh's face is reading. <laughs> um, I mean... I, I didn't love many of the 1948 movies either, but I also kind of expect to not really respond to movies from 1948 as much. I am more of the, of the three of us, I'm more of the modern movie person. I'm the populist guy. And I was expecting to like the 85 movies more than I did. And as we will discuss, there are movies from 1985 that I really like, but not as much these five, or at least mm-hmm. like four mm-hmm. of these five mm-hmm. I didn't really much care for. Okay. Ken, your thoughts on the strength of the year? Woof. Um, I think I used that... <laughs> Look, I reacted that to some of these movies. Um, yeah, 1985 was, this is a hard year to get through. And I mean, we'll talk about it when we expand our discussion, other films from 1985. I don't think that this is much, a, this is all that great of a year, generally. Um, mm-hmm. There are some really exceptional films. There's a few. Um, but on the whole, I, I kind of, I mean, I'm struggling here to find some some real, as Josh might call them, headbangers. Well, I don't call them headbangers, just call them bangers. We don't call it a banger in the mouth, we just call it... <laughs> a uh, TJ, I mean, you selected this year. I did. I we probably discussed, we discussed this maybe in the Club Purple episode. I don't yeah. remember, it was a long time ago. Yeah. But like, why did, remind me why you picked 1985? Because notoriously, there's a lot of boring films in this year, and I really just wanted to mess with you guys. Um, <laughs> now, I chose this specific, because I had I had seen Witness, but it had been... 10 12 years something like that i had not seen the other four. Oh and man the so other you really four you, this was that was misleading dj <laughs> what you getting us into this on i the was strongest. very upfront about that 
Oh. Arguably the strongest of the five. That's that's what that's your entry point into these. Yeah, yeah. But I, part of why part of my goal with doing this, other than I like talking to you guys, is I want a, an excuse to watch some movies that I haven't seen. Um, and I hadn't seen The Color Purple, which is big on Spielberg's filmography. I've seen most of Spielberg's filmography. Um, I had not seen Pritzi's Honor. I've seen a lot of John Huston films. So it was a, it was a way of kind of checkmarking some of these. Uh, and I'm glad I watched them. But there's a few that I will not be watching again uh, <laughs> for as long as I live. Uh, so, <laughs> Can we just summarize you to that point? Um, maybe less Kiss of the Spider-Woman, but the other four films are from directors. And in each episode, we talked quite a bit about Spielberg. We talked a bit, um, quite a bit about Sidney Pollack. We talked a bit about John Huston. And we talked about Peter Weir. Um, I'm curious, j- wrapping this up, are any of those four favorites from those directors guys i mean i don't think they are i don't think think any of those four stand out um from the filmographies of those four exceptional directors i just these aren't the the best examples of their work let's talk about what some best examples of 1985 were though and here's what i'd like to do this is we'll name a film just say your small piece about it but let's do it lightning round style and since i'm hosting i'll go first and since we usually go josh ken tj we'll go tj ken josh um, so that we steal all the good ones before Josh gets to draft them. So, I don't have that many. So uh, <laughs> uh, the first one I want to mention is Come and See, which is yep. the Great uh, Russian war film that I saw for the first time with you guys the second time this summer because I was like, it's a comfort movie for me. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, it is uh, one of the most harrowing movies I've seen, and I think it's one of the best movies that I've seen. Um, so Come and See, I would have liked to have seen that in the best picture lineup i wonder i mean i don't i don't know this offhand but i mean that is a a international movie it's a non-english movie and you know we just talked about how the academy was starting to be more global in the 80s but like how many movies not in the english language have been on for best picture up to this point in 1985 i don't think not as many as now no i think that you could probably count them on one hand probably yeah yeah and that's a recent development by the way at this point 1985 that's still fairly recent uh recent thing um, Ken, what do you got from 85? From 85, um, Come and See would be near the top of my list, but I'm going to go with uh, Kira Kurosawa's Ran, which is mm. his adaptation of King Lear. movies, yeah. Yeah, I, I love Ran. Uh, I adore the film. I think it's great. It is an epic, uh, both in length and on scale, and uh, I love the performances in the film. Kurosawa is at the top of his game. He's still got it at this point. Yeah, I love Ran. Also, I would argue, I, I would stand up... It, it may, may be the all-time, one of the all-time great uh, Shakespeare adaptations in cinema. Ah. I've not seen Ran other than clips that our film teacher slash Shakespeare teacher, Mr. Mark Cummings, showed me in high school. And I really got to check this out, hopefully on a big screen, because it is like yes. one of the more visually dazzling Kurosawa movies, as I understand it, which is certainly saying something. It is. It, it is brilliant. Well, because it's, it's, it's filled with color, which is something that the 50s, his 50s, Yes, his fifty samurai movies are all black and white um, for the most part. So, yeah, this is this is definitely a standout for him. So, two epics not in the English language have been uh, taken off the board from 1985. Uh, I'm not doing this in any particular order. I'm not saying like this is my favorite movie from 85. I'm just like going down my list of things that I've seen. Uh, Brazil, mm. Terry Gilliam movie, Brazil, Brazil. Um, exactly. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Price. Yes, Jonathan yeah. Price. Uh, Pope Bob Francis De Niro himself. in a really really odd role for Bob De Niro, but mm-hmm. I like it. Um, Henry this Tuttle movie really holds up. Mm-hmm. Tuttle, yeah, uh, it really holds up about the absurdity of like bureaucracy and like the machine. It's very uh, surreal. Uh, it's really probably Terry Gilliam 
maybe his most acclaimed work, mm-hmm. uh, among the most acclaimed works for sure. Co-written by Tom Stoppard, the playwright. Oh yeah, Tom, yeah, mm-hmm. Tom Stoppard. Speaking of you know satire and stuff, uh, Brazil's a great movie. You haven't, yeah. you haven't seen Brazil? Uh, I, I like this more than probably all five of the nominees. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great choice. Uh, the, <laughs> with this in the second round. TJ Keeley will select After Hours, directed by Martin yeah. Scorsese. <laughs> yes. I was I was late to this movie. I think I saw it Me too. a year or two ago. And it's in my top three or five Scorsese movies. It's really? so good. Wow. It's so good. It's a strange movie, but but it's it's very weird. It's very funny. It rules. It's yeah. fantastic. Griffin yeah. Dunn's amazing in it. Like yes. there there are seriously laugh out loud moments in this movie. And okay. yeah. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. And it's if you only know Martin Scorsese is like he makes the mob movies, this is gonna seem like a really weird film for him to have made. Um, it's excellent though, and it's like what a hundred minutes or something. So yeah, well, it's well, first of all, you mentioned the funny moments. My favorite moment that just made me bust a gut was uh, the first act. Kind of ends with like somebody dying, and he has to like leave the apartment with the body still inside the apartment. So he there's a handwritten note. He writes <laughs> body and then draws an arrow <laughs> and tapes up that piece of paper my, to a pillar. <laughs> my favorite is like nearer the end of the second act. He's like climbing out of a window or something like on a fire escape thing and he looks in and sees i think a wife murder her husband like they're fighting and she kills him and he just goes to him and he goes i'll probably get blamed for that (laughs) and i I lost it like lost it it, it's 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 such a a a simple movie Uh, and you know you guys know i love a clean premise it's just a guy leaves his apartment at like 11 o'clock at night to try to go get laid and then like he just is trying to get home all night and he can't get home because he he is he's out of money. His last twenty dollars flew out the window of a cab. Uh, the guy at the subway won't like <laughs> spare him seventy five cents to give him a subway token. Like it's just such a nightmare scenario. Especially because like I'm a kind of I'm the kind of guy who loves his bed, and like I don't mm. really like being out late anymore in my thirties. Like I used to my twenties. So like watching this is like it's almost like a horror movie <laughs> of a guy trying to get home in New York and he can't. And uh, it's just really great. If you haven't seen After Hours, huge recommend After Hours. Ken, what's your second choice? Uh, the second choice, uh, I'm going to take a deep, deep dive here into, uh, another, another foreign film, a Swedish film called My Life as a Dog. Ah, Lasse Holstrom. Uh, that's right. And, um, it's a coming of age story, uh, about a boy. He's obviously got a dog, at least for a period of, uh, a period of the film early on. Um, and there are so many interesting characters, uh, that pop up throughout the film. Um, he, he's got, he doesn't have the easiest of lives, um, but it's a beautiful little film that I saw for the first time in high school. I don't know if either. I, I mean, yes, you know, yeah. we, they screened it um, sophomore I, year. Sophomore. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure which. It was an English class. I think I watched it. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. in um, a film class. Um, but it's a beautiful little film that I rewatched. Ooh, it's probably been about seven or eight years now since I rewatched it again. But um, yeah, I really like that film. Highly rated. For Do you me. think it's better than any of the five nominees? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. All five? All five, yeah. Okay. Mm, Josh. Uh, probably my favorite movie from 1985 and the, the cast the longest shadow from the air, fucking Back to the Future. Ah, there it is. How is Back to the Future not nominated for Best Picture? Are you kidding me? Show me a, show me a better movie from the 80s than Back to the Future, let alone 1985. Teacher, give me an incredulous look. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I, put this up against 
Raging Bull and Last Temptation of Christ. I don't care. Okay, uh, I wouldn't actually do that, but like, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll second Josh. I've got this. This is I would probably rank this maybe three behind only Ran and Come and See on my list of top films of the '85. Because this is effectively it's a perfect movie. Back to it's the Future, movie. yeah. Back to the Future is a hell of a lot better than just some throwaway Saturday afternoon action flick. Um, it's it's really good and it holds up, which can't be said yes. for the nominees. Other than maybe like we talked about, Witness, the five, the, the four of the five nominees for Best Picture this year just don't hold up anywhere, anywhere well, close. G- give me sixty seconds to rant about this. Uh, first of all, it was written by our fellow Missourian Bob Gale, our because fe- we're all from Missouri. Yes, and uh, I guess TJ, you're from Illinois, aren't you? Yes, yes. You, you live in Missouri now, though, so you, we'll we'll adopt you. Um, and it was the kernel of the idea was Bob Gale was looking at his parents' high school yearbooks. And was looking at a picture of his dad in high school. And he thought to himself, would I have been friends with my dad in high school if we were in high school at the same time? And that became Back to the Future. And uh, again, it's like a perfectly structured movie. It's like, it's right in the pocket of like just really entertaining with incredible music and incredible premise. Just such iconic, just iconography of the DeLorean and Doc Brown, Marty's clothes. All of it is just so iconic. Johnny Be Good at the end, so iconic. But also like... There's some smart stuff going on about... Ten um, seconds. Okay, don't actually put a time on me. But, um, you know, we talk about a 30-year cycle in pop culture, how, like, things from the 80s are popular now. And in the 80s, things from the 50s were popular because it's, you know, it's 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 cyclical, right? And so this is a movie that takes place in the 80s, but, you know, also takes place in the 50s. So it is reckoning that 30-year cycle. But what it's doing is in the 1980s, at the height of, you know... Reagan and the um, the religious right in the United States, there was like this kind of longing to return to a simpler time, not unlike the Make America Great Again catchphrase that was used in the last few years here. But there was like this, like looking back on the 50s in the 1980s, looking back on the 50s with nostalgic colored glasses, saying like things were simpler and more moral and stuff like that. And like Back to the Future says, no, they fucking weren't because in the 50s, there were still women drinking and smoking and parking you know the fact that like the fact that in the first couple scenes like marty's parents even like say that she's like oh i would never call a boy or chase a boy but like yes you fucking would and yes you fucking did so anyone who says that we weren't dirty dirty people and like perverts in the 50s is lying to themselves because we absolutely were you know and your parents were also like horny high school kids at one point you know and i I just think that the movie the way the movie reckons that is really smart and it's like it's more subversive than I think people give it credit for. It's just a it's a great movie, and it's it's a perfect movie, and it should have been on for best picture. Go off, Josh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, round three. I'll take Mishima: A Life in Four Chapters, directed by Paul Schrader. <laughs> uh, this is an excellent film that is on the Criterion Collection. It's about the life and work of Yukio Mishima. And it was co-written with Leonard Schrader, Paul's brother. It's it's a biopic, but it's a very unconventional biopic. It's got a beautiful Philip Glass score. You got switching back and forth between black and white and color. You've got movies and plays within the movie, and it's just a really fascinating piece of work that I strongly recommend if you have not seen Mishima: a Life in Four Chapters. Do you think it's better than the nominees? A number of them, yeah. Maybe maybe okay. all of them, but a number of them, yeah. 
I'm going to stay overseas. Uh, I'm, I'm going to throw out Tampopo. I'm not sure if either of you have mm. seen it. It's got a, mm-hmm. uh, there's a great edition from Criterion. Ken, have you picked an English language movie yet? Not yet, from 1985. Okay. Um, although, as I said, Back to the Future is fairly high on my list, um, but you called it. Um, Tampopo, uh, it's, it's a great little film. It's fairly simple. It's about a, an, a, basically an eccentric group of individuals, including a truck driver, um, kind of a bit of a, a construction mafia or gangster. Who they're all gathering together and um, helping this woman with a, we'll say, failing noodle shop, basically become one of the best noodle shops in her village or town. Um, it's a great little movie. Love it. Also, it's it fits the description of food porn, if if you're into that kind of thing. The Breakfast Club. That's my next pick. All right. The Breakfast Club's a great movie from 1985. I've watched it a hundred times. It's a perfect Saturday afternoon movie. I don't know if it's. I mean, I like it a lot more than several of the nominees. I wouldn't say all of them. And I'm not sure I would say it should be nominated for Best Picture, but uh, of the movies from 1985, Hell Yes, Breakfast Club. TJ. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to name drop. I'm not going to talk about these, just the rest of lists, the mo- movies that popped in. Purple Rose of Cairo, uh, yep. Woody Allen's film with Mia Farrow, I think is strong. Shoah, the Holocaust Shows, documentary. Yeah, it's yes. a very long if you've got the time, but it's a great it's a t- documentary. Tough sit, but important piece of world cinema. Not, I'm not saying these next two should be nominated for Best Picture. They're just movies from 85 that I really like. Desert Hearts and Clue. Clue's, I, I was going to mention Clue. Clue's yeah. a popular one in, in my house. Um, I'd throw out uh, Smooth Talk, which is a very small independent film starring uh, Laura Dern, a, f- a favorite here at the podcast, I know. Um, coming of Age Story, she's fantastic in it. I'd also throw out Police Story, which is, I think, the first introduction oh, yeah. in America to Jackie Chan. And it's a really, really fun um, exciting uh, police uh, procedural film. It is fun, yeah. Um, I, I'm also going to throw out uh, Cocoon. I'm not 85 year old. Uh, 85 year old man. I sometimes are you, act. Are you it. sure about that? I sometimes <laughs> act it. Um, I enjoy Cocoon. I do. Mm-hmm. Those geriatrics are so fantastic. I forgot that was 85. <laughs> Rocky Four. Mm. Probably, maybe the best Rocky movie besides the first one, depending on who you ask. Uh, Ivan Drago. I really liked, uh, I watched this in high school when we were reading the play, but I, I like the, it's a made-for-TV movie, so it doesn't really count for our purposes, but Death of a Salesman with Dustin Hoffman mm. as uh, Willie Loman and uh, John Malkovich as Biff. I think it's the only Death of a Salesman adapta- like movie I've seen, so that was good, but that was, that was a, again, a TV movie, so it was not made for 10 Emmys, so it wasn't an Oscar movie, it was an Emmy movie, but good stuff. All right, well, it's time to rank them. And this time we will. We'll go, uh, you know, five to one like we, like we usually do. We'll go Josh, Ken, TJ, and then we will tally it at the end. So at number five, Josh, what do you got? Out of Africa. I did not like this movie. <laughs> okay. Ken, what do you got at number five? <laughs> I got Kiss of the Spider Woman at number five. All right. Uh, I will also choose Out of Africa as my number five. Nice. Um, yeah. Woof. That was... <laughs> oh, <stop one. laughs> I think we did well talking about it um. uh, again I, I kind of keep saying this it's like for me like the nadir of it, it's oscar oscar bait movies it's almost a parody like it's <laughs> it's pretty rough yeah and like i i love the oscars i defend the oscars i defend movies get nominated for oscars from people who say things like oscar bait but like that movie sucks <laughs> and it's like it's the idea of what people have in their heads when they complain about oscar movies is, is that it sucks uh, for me, number four, I'm going to go with um, uh, Kiss the Spider-Woman, Okay, which I didn't hate by any means, but uh, it didn't really do much for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my number four is out of Africa. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm <laughs> Josh and I are both in agreement. These both these two films both are at the bottom of this list. Um, 
out of Africa is just ah, it's so weird that it exists in our culture as a best picture winner. I just can't uh, can't fathom it. It's terribly terribly boring and bad. I think it's important though that like people once thought that was really good. So yes. we'll see how our tastes age. You know, yeah, um, that's true. What movies did I love this past year that I'll be embarrassed about in 40 years? Yeah. Uh, all right. My number four is The Color Purple. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't hate it, but uh, I, I got some issues with it. And yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, a lot of stuff to talk about in the film, but I don't really appreciate I'll, that I'll, one. I'll say this. That was the first movie we watched. And I thought it was pretty good when we watched it. And... I maybe liked it less than I thought I would, but mm-hmm. uh, after the other four <laughs> that we watched afterwards, I'm I look back fondly on the color purple. I <laughs> say that should be on the poster. Like good after you've watched Out of Africa. <laughs> uh, so my number three is gonna be Pritzi's Honor. All right, so it's not even we're not even out uh, of color purple yet on my list. Um, Pritzi's Honor was. I, I, as I mentioned this in our episode, I think I had made some false expectations for what the movie would be, and that kind of like hurt my viewing experience a little bit. But it's also just kind of a a ridiculous movie, and like I know it's trying to be ridiculous in a lot of ways, but I didn't. I kind of find it ridiculous in like a bad way, I guess. And um, I'm not really sure I was on the movie's wavelength necessarily. So yeah, Pretty's Honor number three for me. Okay, for me at number three, uh, also Pretty's Honor. Um, hey, I could right. I could honestly flip my two and three. I could I don't necessarily have a particular regarding the order but this is where i'm putting it um i just don't think it succeeds at what uh houston might be trying to do even if he understood what he was trying to do at the time i just uh, totally and and both product wise final product wise i just don't think it really works uh i actually kind of liked this film but my number three is also Princey's honor all right in agreement Nothing more to say. Just you, you kind of liked it, and that's it. Yeah, no, I kind of liked it. I mean, go back and listen to the episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of already buried the lead here. But my number two is The Color Purple, ah. um, a movie that I thought was like just okay upon first viewing, but uh, stacked up against the other nominees. I'm like that was actually not bad. It has actually pretty good. Um, very, very curious about the forthcoming musical adaptation. Yeah. Uh, I guess this episode is scheduled to come out in July, and by this point we might have a trailer for all I know for mm. the Color Purple musical adaptation, but we're, we're recording this in April and we don't really know much about it. So I'm very curious to see what that looks like. For sure. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. Ken, what's your uh, number two? For number two, it's The Color Purple. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is a, an obviously flawed film. It's, it's totally all over the place at times. It doesn't work. And I think that just speaks volumes to the other three that we're talking about on this list, that this is my number two. Uh, I just don't think it's a success, but it's, it's better than I think, I think than the other three that we already discussed. Yeah. Uh, my number two is kiss of the spider woman. I liked kiss of the spider woman, maybe because I did a lot of, I read the novel. I did a lot of research. Yeah. I really tried to mine a lot out of it. And I think the more time you spend with something, you just kind of, if it holds you captive, you like it more. I completely agree. I think had I read the book and stuff, I probably would respond to it more positively. I also have issues with some of the choices with the adaptation, with William Hurt's performance, which yes. I think is is pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the Academy Award-winning performance of William Hurt, actually. Yeah, which Harrison Ford should have won. But, uh, yeah, I but I, I think... I think it's very interesting with a lot of the aesthetic choices that it makes. And yeah, so I like to kiss the spider woman. 
Uh, well, that means we all have the same number one. Right? It looks, looks like it. Should yeah. we all just say it together in unison? <laughs> Witness. 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 All right. Yeah, according to our, our math here, uh, assigning like one point for number five and five points for number one, um, taking our totals in the aggregate, uh, that means our collective number five is out of Africa. With four points? Uh, I got four points for mm-hmm. it, yep. Our collective number four is Kiss of the Spider Woman with seven points. That's a that that's a shame to me, but that's okay. Our collective <laughs> number three is all of our number threes, which is Praise's Honor, nine points. Our collective number two is the color purple with ten points. So just edging out Prizzy's Honor. And our collective number one with a full fifteen out of fifteen points is Witness. Mm. So we liked Witness quite a bit more than the other four, and I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um so the Academy got it wrong. By in fact, the Academy got it very, very wrong. This is the first time. This is the first time that um, our number five slot was the winner for Best Picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's where we are. Real quick, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to go through. Um, I was going to compare some other numbers for these five movies. May I do that real quick. Yeah, sure. Done this earlier. Yeah, go that's ahead. Right. Go ahead. Um, Letterboxed. So this is like the pop Josh's populist corner. This is what Letterboxd thinks of of these movies. At number five. Pretty's Honor, which has a 3.2 rating, hmm. so not very good. At number four, Out of Africa, which is a 3.3, so not much higher. At number three, surprisingly, Witness, only is a 3.6 on Letterboxd. And then uh, Kiss the Spider Woman is a 3.7, and The Color Purple is a 3.8. So the folks at Letterboxd like The Color Purple um, quite a bit, uh, a lot more than, than Witness, apparently. So that's, that's you know... That's the voice of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Critic-wise, uh, I'm not going to cite Rotten Tomatoes because I think people misunderstand. That's just binary. Hey, mm-hmm. do, do you like this or not? But Metacritic, I think Metacritic is what a lot of people misunderstand Rotten Tomatoes to be. Yeah. Which is an actual like score out of 100, right. you know, et cetera. So uh, over at Metacritic, in fifth place, out of Africa, with only 69 on Metacritic. So theoretically, this was the <laughs> least critically acclaimed of the five, the best picture winner out of Africa. Next is, uh, again, surprisingly, Witness, which has a 76 on Metacritic, which is, I think, generally favorable reviews, quote-unquote, uh, only 76. Uh, then just beyond that is The Color Purple at 78, and then Kiss the Spider-Woman at 80, and then Pritzi's Honor at 84. Pritzi's Honor was most critically acclaimed of wow. these five, which is very, very surprising. Interesting. Again, to Ken's point, I wonder if that's just critics responding to the old guard of John Houston and Jack Nicholson and... And then, real quick, Oscar nominations, Color Purple and Out of Africa both had 11, Pritzi's Honor and Witness both had 8, Kiss the Spider-Man Woman only had 4, and then uh, Out of Africa ended up winning 7, Witness won 2, Kiss the Spider-Woman and Pritzi's Honor both only won the single one, both acting awards, and Color Purple famously won 0, 0 for 11. Uh, real quick, box office, I have domestic numbers, um, Color Purple was number 1, 98.5 million, this is all $1985. Uh, out of Africa, number two, 87 million. Uh, Witness, number three, 68 million. Pritzi's Honor, 26 million. Kiss the Spider Woman, only 17 million. I, I, I don't have international data for all of them, but I will say that out of Africa, it made 87 domestically, 227 worldwide, which is just a phenomenal, phenomenally big hit. Yeah. Um, even though I guess critics liked it the least of the, of the five, the Academy was like, yep, seven Oscars, here you go. And we rated it number five. five. (laughs) Rightfully so. And I will stand by that. Yeah. I'm fine with that. All right. So that wraps up our 1985 wrap up. And the next year that we will be doing on Serious Film People is what year, Josh? Uh, Well, this is my pick. And I'm going to bring us back into good movies. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, I'm going to take us to 1997. Oh, that's a, that's a small year. That's a relatively tiny, tiny year. That's true. Yeah, there's only a few, uh, some small indies making their uh, yeah. making it making the grade. I resist your implicit assumption that more modern movies are good. By default. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that like these are five really good movies. Well, I've only seen four of them at this point. I need to see the fifth one still. But uh, four bangers, four headbangers, as Ken would say, <laughs> in 1997. <laughs> the four that I've seen are four stone cold bangers, I think. Or like three stone cold bangers and one like, yeah, that's like close to being a banger. And I like it, but like I don't know if it's a banger. And we'll I'll reveal which one that is. Stay tuned, <laughs> but I do not share Josh's enthusiasm. Well, I'm a Titanic head, and you guys aren't Titanic heads, but that's okay because I'm a I'm a big Titanic head. I'm a I watched nine hours of Blu-ray special features in a single week about Titanic level of Titanic head. Wow, you love Titanic as much as Jim Cameron loves the ocean. Um, that's not true. That's <laughs> that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, that's it. Thanks for joining us again, and. We hope you liked some of these movies, but if not, you know, hey, some years good, some years not so much. Just a reminder again, you can, if you would like to contact us, email us at SeriousFilmPeople at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at SeriousFilmPPL or on TikTok at SeriousFilmPeoplePodcast. We also have a Patreon. www.patreon.com slash SeriousFilmPeoplePodcast, I think. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, you just, you know, you'll find it. Whatever. If you guys excuse me, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid 1985 films for a short while. So I might go watch After Hours. Mm. <laughs> I think I need to watch Out of Africa again because I hear it's better on second viewing. <laughs> <laughs> I hear she had a farm. Did, she, is that true? Did you confirm it or not that she had a farm? And a lot of syphilis. Um <laughs> All right. (laughs) That's as good a point to end it. Uh, Thanks again. We will see you next week. We'll see you in the 90s. Sayonara.